This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We welcome in now Andy Herman from the Pack-A-Day podcast, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Andy, thanks for coming on because on social media, you're a lot more calm than I am. Um, I understand not giving up a second-round pick for Will Fuller because it most likely would have been a rental. You're not going to be able to re-sign him. you got tons of decisions to make with David Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley, Aaron Jones. We know blah, blah, blah. But still, man, I just feel like this team is good enough to compete for a Super Bowl, but maybe they're a piece or two away. I'd rather improve the run defense or the inside linebacker position, but there was nobody available. Am I nuts because I wanted to give up a second-round pick? Uh, I don't think you're nuts. And uh, first of all, I appreciate you having me on, Ryan. I always love chatting with you. Uh, but I, I totally get it. And I think at some point um, I understand the frustrations, you know, when, when Green Bay says they're going to be involved in every conversation and every conversation seems to come up, you know, just a, a tad bit short. I, I get the frustration that can go right alongside of that. I'm with you, though. I, I think a second-round pick is a little bit steep for Will Fuller. Um, I would have understood if they did it to take a shot at it and uh, because Matt LaFleur's familiarity with Will Fuller because he's a perfect complement for Devontae Adams and, and really Alan Lazard as well. You'd have a speed guy on the outside, uh, Alpha and, and Adams, and then kind of your possession guy in Alan Lazard. So I, I get all of those points. Um, I think it's worth noting that, one, uh, you know, nobody else decided to pay a second-round pick for Will Fuller. I also think it's really interesting that you know, Green Bay sounds like they were offering a four and Houston wanted a two. And it's just humorous to me that the real logical meeting point here was a three. And I think a three makes tremendous amount of sense, you know, sense for both sides. Uh, I think a three for Green Bay, you're hoping that that's right around pick 96. Uh, that's a, you know, barely a top 100 pick for a guy that could come in and help you win a Super Bowl. And then you probably get a fourth round pick as a comp pick a year later. Um, that makes a ton of sense for Green Bay, in my opinion. For Houston, uh, it still makes a ton of sense because you get a third round pick in 2021 or yeah, 2021 instead of a fourth round pick probably in 2022. So the fact that both sides couldn't get to that logical conclusion kind of blows my mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I understand both sides of it. You look at next year. And having the cap go down um, is really going to make things difficult for a variety of reasons that I'm sure most of the listeners know already. Uh, but, the, you know, adding Will Fuller and $5 million in, in, you know, cap space this year, 
takes $5 million away from next year because that cap won't carry over. And that's legitimately maybe the difference between being able to sign a David Bakhtiari and signing a Corey Lindsley or maybe signing Aaron Jones or you know having to sign Jamal Williams instead of an Aaron Jones or maybe having to cut Adrian Amos next year, which is right around that same amount uh, because you you know spent that money this year on Will Fuller. So those decisions become a lot more difficult, and that's why Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball have to kind of take a look at it from a long-term standpoint. And I know that's not a popular opinion amongst fans when they feel like they can win a Super Bowl right now. And yeah, and Andy, see, that's I'm fine if you make no moves and you're able to bring back Corey Lindsley and David Bakhtiari. I continue to talk about Aaron Jones. I want Aaron Jones back, but I understand if they're unable to bring him back and they can't afford him. I mean, I even want Kevin King back, but Kevin King, he really needed to stay on the field this year. He was good last year and he was able to stay on the field, but I, I don't know what kind of money he's going to want. But I really want Corey Lindsley back, and I feel like they under we continue to, as football fans and analysts, we underrate the center position. Do you think it's realistic that Corey Lindsley and David Bakhtiari both get paid and they're both back in Green Bay, or do you think it's one or the other, or maybe even worst-case scenario, neither? Yeah, I'd be really surprised if both were back, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they prioritize that entire free agent class. You know, And, and a right. lot of things are going to come into – into play with that one, obviously the available, you know, free agent money that they can spend and, and how the, the NFL kind of sets that salary cap. Um, I, I don't think Green Bay is generally in the, in the business of giving, you know, third round or third contracts to offensive linemen. Um, you know, we've seen Lucas Patrick play well at center. You have Elton Jenkins as an option at center. Um, and I do think, um, you know, I think John Runyon Jr. too is going to have the ability to potentially slot into guard. Um, so I, I do think there's some options internally to fill in the interior of the offensive line if you move on from Corey Lindsley, which I don't say likely, but lightly because he's one of my you know favorite players to watch on the team from uh, you know when I'm going and, and you know going back and analyzing the film each week. Yeah. He just does everything really really well. So I'm with you. I would love to keep Corey Lindsley as well, but. Uh, I think some of those decisions are going to be really tough, and I think they're going to have to prioritize things where they probably won't be able to keep both guys along the offensive line. If you only get to keep one of these free agents, is it Bakhtiari? I think it has to be, and I've said for a little while now, I think I think the NFL is really won by the top-end talent on your team. Everyone's got good players. Everyone's got solid to average players. Maybe not the Jets, but yeah. everyone else has solid to average players. But this is a league that's won by kind of your top-end talent. And I think when you have one of the best offensive linemen and arguably the best left tackle in football in David Bakhtiari, um, I think you have to find a way to make that work. It's not like he's overaged. You have guys in the league like a Trent Williams, like an Andrew Whit- Andrew Whitworth is playing phenomenal, and he's, what, in his 40s? Yeah. Still has a couple of years left on his deal. Um, this, this, this is still a young player at offensive tackle for David Bakhtiari, even though he's going into his 30s. It may not seem that way, but at that position, you can still play a while when you have great technique, which David Bakhtiari does. So uh, a third contract makes a ton of sense for him, even if he's one of the top three you know, paid offensive tackles in football. And then going back really quick to Aaron Jones. See, I've always – so I, I'm, i like, pro-paying running backs, um, but I understand the argument against it because there's a lot of guys that you get paid and it just doesn't end up working out. Like, look at Todd Gurley, and then the Rams are still, you know, on the hook for some of that money, and he's in Atlanta. But then I feel like, man, this Sunday proves that – there are some backs that deserve a lot of money. Like if you watch Elvin Kamara against the Bears, they win that game at Soldier Field because he's that damn good because he could run with the football and he could catch the ball out of the backfield and he's a playmaker. And then obviously we saw what Delvin Cook did to the Green Bay Packers, scoring four touchdowns and going over a buck fifty on the ground, fifty-yard touchdown reception. So I feel like there are certain guys that deserve the money. Christian McCaffrey being another one of them. 
Is Aaron Jones one of those type of backs? Yeah, it's really close, and, and I'm with you. I think where you have to start looking at paying big money to running backs is if, if they're an overall weapon on offense. You mentioned Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. Those are players that you can legitimately line up in the slot and almost play at wide receiver, especially Christian McCaffrey. You know, the, those guys are so multi-talented and so dynamic that they're more than just a running back. And I think you look at the recent running back deals, the Todd Gurley's, the Zeke Elliott's, the Devontae Freeman's, like the David Johnson's, the list goes on and on. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's like every team that gave big money to running backs has regretted it but I do think there's a time in a place where if you have somebody that's more than just a running back and is that overall weapon it makes a ton of sense to pay them that money now Aaron Jones is really close and I think we've seen what he's able to do in this offense and I think you can make an argument over the course of the last you know couple years two or three years that this offense is much better when Aaron Jones is the one that's kind of the primary bell cow and the guy that's really making the majority of the plays not necessarily Aaron Rodgers so um, I, I think there's an argument to be made there. I don't, I don't know that you can fully line Aaron Jones up in the slot and say, look, he's a wide receiver yet, but he's certainly improved in that regard. And, and the more that he can do for this offense, the better he's become a, a better uh, you know, pass blocker than he was in the past. He's become a better receiver, and we all know how dynamic he is as a running back. So I, I'm leaning towards still – I think you look back at the Le'Veon Bell situation with the Steelers, you know, what, three, four years ago? Yeah. If you would have told that team that – you know, and I think Jones and, and Bell were, you know, somewhat similar situations, probably a little bit of an advantage to Bell. But if you would have told the Steelers, you know, you're going to lose Le'Veon Bell, they would have said, oh, there's no way that we can replace that guy. And they bring in a third-round pick in James Conner, and everything works basically almost the same. Um, and I'm not saying that Green Bay just has that ability to, to, you know, fill that spot with a guy like James Conner right away. But you, you can find ways to still win football games with maybe a slightly lesser running back on the team and, and use those resources elsewhere as much as I would love to see Aaron Jones back on the team next year. I continue to talk about the offensive side of the ball and Will Fuller today, but that's not even what's keeping me up at night. It's Mike <laughs> Pettin in this defense. Is there So they don't make any moves uh, before the deadline on the defensive side of the ball, so you're rolling with what you have for the remainder of the season. Is there any way for this run defense especially – to get better with the personnel that they have with Mike Pettin as the defensive coordinator? Like, is there anything they could do to improve, or is it kind of just like it is what it is at this point? Yeah, I think there is. And the weird thing is, is you know, if you go back uh, the last couple games, the, the second half against uh, New Orleans, the game against Atlanta, um, the game against Houston, there, there were definite signs of being much more stout against the run now. Mm-hmm. Tampa wasn't great, and there were you know big stretches of Minnesota that weren't great. But even in the Minnesota game, there's, I don't know, maybe a good 10 to 15 snaps, especially late in the second half, where this run defense actually looked pretty darn good at times. And I, I know that's crazy because when you give – you give up as many big runs as you did to Delvin Cook. You can't just ignore those. And I'm right. not saying it was good uh, on Sunday, but there were a handful of snaps that, that looked like, hey, this is a competent run defense. And I think the reason for some optimism is I think a part of the issue, you had two rookie inside linebackers uh, who were, you know, this defense is so much predicated upon reading uh, for the linebackers, reading what the defensive line is doing in front of you. And there's been so much rotation and so much new people, you know, playing in different spots. Kenny Clark was out for a while, then he comes back. Um, you know, Lancaster was out for a while, he comes back. You've got two rookie inside linebackers playing together for really the first time. Um, I do think that some of that, when you looked at the, you look at the tape, a lot of it was just like the team defense was bad. It wasn't necessarily that anyone was getting beat over and over and over, and it's just like, oh, there's this huge issue. It was that the team defense as a whole wasn't filling their appropriate gaps. They weren't playing off of the person in front of them. They weren't, you know, filling in when somebody took a different gap. It's, it's things like that where I feel like. 
All right, those are things that can be coached, and those are things that can get better through the course of the year. Right Now, the defensive line is still concerning. I think Kenny Clark's going to play better as the year goes on. I think he's still a little bit nicked up. We saw this a little bit last year where it took him a little while to get ramped up after his injury. I still expect that to be the case. I think the edge rushers are going to do a better job of setting the edge, but the Dean Lowry's and the Kingsley Kiki's and the Montrevious Adams, like those guys have to step up and play better against the run. And what I've kind of said is, if you're if you're Kingsley Kiki and you're Tyler Lancaster, Dean Lowry, Montrevious Adams, like just weaponize those guys as run defenders. I don't care if the, any of those guys get a sack the rest of the season. Let Z and Preston and Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark worry about that aspect of it. Just focus on run defense, and if those handful of players can just focus on that and get better against the run, um, hopefully that can kind of work all together and those inside linebackers kind of grow behind them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And see, that was the problem as I go back and I watch that game on Sunday. Is It's like, do I put all the blame on Mike Pettin? Does he have enough talent to work with? Because... Yeah, there's guys that are out of like that aren't in the right spots, but then a lot of times guys are in the right spots. But I mean, you can't miss. They miss 14 tackles. They're averaging 10 missed tackles nearly a game. So is this more on, you know, Mike Pettin, or is it more on just guys aren't wrapping up? Guys like it's it's what week eight, week nine, guys still can't wrap up and tackle. Yeah, it was kind of my big takeaway this week. You know, people said, well, they don't have the talent. Well, they don't have the coaching. Well, they don't have the execution. I I think it's all of it. I think, you know, Brian Gutekind and company probably erred in not adding defensive, you know, talent, especially to the defensive line. Um, They go out and get Trayvon Hester. That didn't work out. Their only other additions were Willington Prevalon, an undrafted free agent, and then Billy Wynn, a guy they signed postseason, you know, know, after the start of the season, who hasn't played in a couple years and was inactive that last game. So I don't think they did enough along the defensive line. The, the jury's still out on whether Christian Kirksey can make an impact at that inside linebacker position. And um, kind of the book on him was that he's an oft-injured player, and that's kind of remained the case so far this season. So I think you can blame uh, that part of it. I think you can definitely blame, you know, even your top-end guys like Rashawn Gary and, uh, you know, Zedaria Smith, Preston Smith, and Kenny Clark, especially those last three, maybe not so much Rashawn Gary, but those three aren't playing as well as they were a season ago. And mm-hmm. it could be injuries. It could be extenuating circumstances. I'm not sure, but I don't think it's, you know, improper to say none of those three guys are playing as well as they were a season ago and Preston Smith to a larger degree. Um, and then I think you can say, you know, there's certainly some coaching issues still. I actually think the coaching issues in this last game were a lot more to do with almost the past defense, even though Kirk Cousins only threw it a few times when you're still playing off coverage when you're playing Kirk Cousins and it's windy conditions and you're not making him throw a, a ball past 10 yards down the field or completing a pass more than 10 yards downfield, I don't think you've done your job as a coaching staff either to try to make things more difficult on the opposing offense. So I think you can look all three and say, they're, they're, you know, all three are to blame in some capacity. Was there anybody out there on the defensive side of the ball? Like, realistic. We did this thing with J.J. Watt, and we do it every year. Like, why would the Texans, they're looking to sell, I get, and uh, get away from some of those bad decisions that Bill O'Brien made, but I just didn't see them trading J.J. Watt. He's pretty much the face of the franchise, and, you know, they're still going to have to sell tickets next year if we're able to get fans back into the stadiums. Was there anybody out there on the defensive side of the ball, even like Avery Williamson, that you were interested in that, you know, they they just didn't even make a call on that we know about? Shelby Harris. Yeah, Shelby Harris would have been the guy that just from a salary cap standpoint, the way that he was playing, he's on the last year of his deal. He's going in, you know, at to age 30. 
Um, he would have been a player that made sense, but I, I haven't heard a single rumbling about him coming out of Denver, which means they may just want to try to keep him going into next season and, and try to resign him. He's had a really strong start to the season. I think you can make an argument from Denver's standpoint that it's their best option to sell high on him right now, and they can probably use as many resources you, as you can get. But again, the fact that there wasn't a single rumbling about him makes me think that he probably wasn't on the market. We didn't see a ton of defensive linemen. I don't think we saw any defensive linemen move um, around the trade deadline. And then, you know, Avery Williamson would have made some sense because, you know, really his strength at this point is stopping the run. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that when you have Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes and Christian Kirksey, I don't know that he necessarily upgrades anything to the extent that it's worth giving up a draft pick and adding salary cap to your books this year. So um, I don't know that there was a ton out there on defense that, that would have been able to you know help this team in any significant regard that wasn't going to be a tremendous amount of money or a top-end draft pick that they probably weren't going to want to give up. Last question, do they win tomorrow night if there's a game? Do they beat San Francisco and the Niners are beat up, man? I think they do, and that's the you know exact reason. This is basically a preseason football team. They got their both both of their starting offensive tackles. Um, you know, Jason Verrett's playing really well in the at the cornerback position, coming off an of injury. Um, they still got a little bit of talent on that defensive line, but they're just a skeleton of what they were a season ago and what they were even earlier this season. So I think this is a really great litmus test for Mike Patton in this defense. If you can't stop this San Francisco offense against Kyle Shanahan, you basically don't have any chance of stopping him in the future when he actually has weapons available so um, I think this is kind of a put up or shut up game for the defense but I like Green Bay in this one Andy thanks a lot man enjoy your day all right buddy thanks so much Ryan have a great one thanks for popping on with us that's Andy Herman you can find him on Twitter Andy Herman NFL from the pack a day podcast he joins us on the great Midwest Bank hotline if applying for a home renovation loan has you feeling anxious you can breathe and let great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of banquility Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day Podcast. They actually uh, do a podcast every single day, and you can find that on YouTube. But good stuff right there. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law